Eco Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. EcoReport is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello, and welcome to Eco Report for WFHB. I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. This week on Eco Report, environmental correspondent Zero Rose gets an update from Stephen Stewart of Indiana Forest Alliance on positive and negative developments affecting climate, habitat, water, and air quality in the region as windows of opportunity for public input draw to a close. And now for your environmental reports. The Grain Belt Express is a power line that will carry wind energy from Kansas across Missouri and Illinois before hooking into a power grid in Indiana that serves eastern states. This project has taken many years to gain approval for its transmission line. The 7,800,000-mile Grain Belt Express electric transmission infrastructure project secured approval from the Missouri Public Service Commission for its request to amend its existing Certificate of Convenience and Necessity. The decision marks the last required state citing approval for significant enhancements to the project and provides the necessary certainty about power delivery to support ongoing and upcoming commercial contracting efforts. For Missouri electric consumers, the decision provides certainty of power delivery, billions of dollars in additional energy savings, and increased reliability for major grid regions that serve the Show Me State. Across the route, the states of Kansas, Missouri, and Illinois, the Grain Belt Express will deliver over $11 billion in energy cost savings over 15 years and enhance reliability for millions of homes and businesses in the Midwest and other regions. The switch to electric vehicles is plagued with problems. Major automakers and governments have vowed that the future of cars is electric, and with transportation making up about a quarter of the carbon pollution emitted by humanity, scientists say phasing out gas and diesel-powered cars is imperative for there to be any hope of avoiding the worst effects of global warming. But the shift away from fossil fuel-burning cars is happening too slowly to stave off climate catastrophe, according to a report released by Greenpeace this week. Quote, leading auto manufacturers, including Toyota, Volkswagen, Hyundai, are transitioning far too slowly to zero emission vehicles, which has dangerous consequences for our planet, end quote. Benjamin Steven, climate campaigner at Greenpeace Germany, said in a statement, Toyota, Volkswagen, and other leading automakers are on a collision course with the climate. The report closely analyzed the stated electrification plans of four automakers that make up 40% of the world's cars, GM, Hyundai, Kia, Toyota, and the Volkswagen Group. Two of them have set dates to eliminate fossil-fueled cars, GM by 2035 and Kia by 2045. Toyota and Volkswagen have no target dates to go all-electric. VW had previously set 2040 as its target, while Toyota's CEO has resisted the all-electric push, recently saying the EV transition will take longer than many believe. EVs and hybrids, 
hybrids have been, may be catching on, but they make up only a little more than 2% of all vehicles registered in Indiana. Detractors point out that EVs are expensive and that they are powered by electricity, which may still be produced from natural gas or coal. It doesn't seem to matter that wind and solar are cheaper than gas and coal and do not cause health issues. The legislature is operating as if our state motto is coal forever. This past summer, the Nature Conservancy of Indiana closed on a 360-acre forested property in Monroe County. The forest on this property, adjacent to Lake Monroe, Randsburg Scout Reservation, and the Hoosier National Forest, are a stronghold for rare plants and wildlife species, including the tens of thousands of songbirds that migrate from South America every year to breed and raise their young in central and southern Indiana's hardwood forest. This home away from home cannot be replicated or replaced. This was one of the last and largest privately owned parcels remaining in the Lake Monroe area with a high risk for development due to its proximity to both State Road 446 and Lake Monroe. More than a mile of the property borders the Hoosier National Forest. The Nature Conservancy will be working with the U.S. Forest Service to transfer ownership and management of the property within the next five years. This past summer, while conducting a routine survey, the Indiana Department of Natural Resources discovered a young eastern hellbender salamander in south-central Indiana's Blue River. This is such great news. Over the past three to four decades, no juvenile hellbenders have been documented in the wild in Indiana. Hellbender once occurring in most of southeast Indiana's tributaries to the Ohio River, is now on Indiana's endangered species list due to habitat loss and polluted waterways. To help improve water quality and save the hellbender, as well as other aquatic species, the Nature Conservancy and partners decided to do something about it. They planted more than a half million trees along the Blue River, worked with agricultural retailers to provide conservation practices on nearby farmland, and removed two low-head dams with a third slated for removal in 2024. These efforts are paying off. The discovery of a juvenile means that there is a population healthy enough to reproduce on their own. The Yale School of the Environment reports that the renewable energy firm Savion is building a 200 megawatt solar installation on a former coal mine on the border of Kentucky and West Virginia. When completed, it will be the largest solar project in Kentucky. The Martin County Solar Project will stretch across 1,200 acres of the Martiki coal mine, an abandoned mountaintop strip mine. When completed, it will generate enough electricity to power more than 33 hundred homes. Construction will kick off next year and the solar array will go online by early 2024. Most of the workers on the project are expected to be former coal miners, PV Magazine reported. In 2017, the Kentucky Coal Mine Museum made national news when it decided to cut its power bill by installing rooftop solar panels. Now solar is taking off in the state. While Kentucky has just 68 megawatts of solar power installed currently, more than 800 megawatts are in the pipeline. Mountaintop sites are ideal for wind or solar. These sites are flat and without topsoil for farming. West Virginia would appear to be attractive for similar development. 
And now we turn to Zero Rose as he announces that Monroe County is among 16 counties under a burn ban due to dry conditions and asks Stephen Stewart of IFA about threats to health and habitat as well as the positive promise posed by a new United States Senate bill to establish the Benjamin Harris National Recreation Area and Wilderness, which could counter U.S. Forest Service plans to log and burn in the Lake Monroe watershed and across the state. To follow up on the information that we will be sharing with you and your opportunities to voice opposition or approval, go to www.indianaforestalliance.org before the public comment period ending Monday. There is actually a burn ban in place right now in 16 counties in Indiana. Uh, people can find out about that by going to the Department of Homeland Security webpage slash burn ban in.gov, and that's to do with semi-drought conditions across the state. Some counties have been lifted and others added, and so that's, you know, affecting people trying to burn leaves and things, and that can kind of relate to uh, what you're here to talk to us about, at least partly, is uh, the uh, burning, prescribed burning, intentional burning, that the Forest Service is reenacting around Houston South, which if some people don't know, it's in the Lake Monroe watershed. So uh, what do we have uh, going on with that? The injunction is no more and they're proceeding? Um, well, uh, to the fire, uh, pointing to the fire and the uh, a lot of these burn bans in some of the counties, were they're done by the county commissioners uh, and they were just published uh, in the last couple, three or four days, uh, knowing that though the conditions have been, you know, gradually, you know, getting drier and drier uh, in, in the last three to four weeks, you know, a lot of places with no rain for a long time uh, and the Forest Service. Uh, had issued uh, an announcement that they were going to start their prescribed fires for the fall season uh, during this dry during this dry spell here very recently, uh, and they actually conducted a, uh, a prescribed burn uh, in Northwest Township of Orange County, Indiana, uh, near in the Buffalo Springs area of the Hoosier National Forest, uh, and uh, it was it was. Uh, Concern to the local residents and the population knowing that uh, there had been other fires last fall uh, that had gotten out of control, one over in Brown County, uh, as well as in Ferdinand uh, State Forest. And um, the day after uh, they did the prescribed burn uh, there in Northwest Township of Orange County, uh, a local resident was uh, burning brush uh, in a field uh, in the Buffalo Springs area, south of Paoli, Indiana, uh, and it got out of control. And she Sure enough, uh, eight different agencies had to be called down t- uh, to control that fire. Wound up burning 90 acres. Uh, and um, what's 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 troubling uh, about all of this is that I know a lot of people need to be you know uh, they need to take a, a proactive uh, stance in fire safety, uh, but that our public agencies um, are are starting fires during these extreme dry conditions. Now, as I said, the county commissioners are the ones that are uh, mandated uh, to put out these uh, fire bans. Uh, dependent on weather conditions. Uh, however, uh, federal agencies and state agencies like the in- Indiana DNR Forestry Division uh, and the United States Forest Service are not subject to these to these burn bans. Uh, so uh, they make their own uh, determination whether or not a burn will go on. Uh, and sometimes, as we've seen recently, uh, these burns do continue even in the light of a uh, need and a uh, burn ban in place. 
And uh, so with the Houston South, um, there was an injunction. Uh, IFA was, I believe, part of a suit, and that was upheld by a judge, but now they're making another pass at it, and there's a comment period of that's right. So this project started a long time ago, 2018, and uh, made public in 2019. Uh, and it's in Jackson County and just slightly over into uh, uh, Monroe County. It's called the Houston South Project uh, near Norman, uh, near South, uh, near Charles Dean Wilderness area, uh, near Hardin Ridge. Uh, and in that project, uh, there's 13,500 acres that are that are. Uh, um, projected for fire, 4,375 acres for timbering, and 1,970 uh, for the... herbicide spraying to control invasives. Um, and it, twice, uh, federal courts uh, had determined uh, that the Forest Service was deficient in determining um, the uh, significant impact it was going to have on the water quality uh, for Lake Monroe. And as you know, we've been, we've been experiencing a lot of algae blooms, uh, as well as, you know, other issues uh, with sediment filling up in, in the Lake Monroe. And, and it, that's over 100,000 uh, people uh, that receive their water from there. It's the largest public municipal water source in the state of Indiana. Uh, and those judges had determined that they had uh, failed to really analyze the project thoroughly for what those effects would be. Well, um, here on October 20th of this previous month, um, the Forest Service re-released uh, this draft an environmental assessment called the Supplemental Environmental Assessment, which is a 30-day cu- public comment period uh, where people can make comments uh, to this project and have a say um, in in the development of, this, of their proposed projects. This one being the Houston South project again. Uh, and uh, the thing was, was that as we are identifying and looking at the 78-page document that, that was released, uh, very little to nothing has been changed in this uh, the, of, of any significance. And in fact, uh, many deficits have been found in, in this uh, most recent development as well. Uh, but So we do uh, look to ask the public. Uh, it is our public forest. It is the, the, the public's land. Uh, it's managed uh, and stewardship by the United States Forest Service. But please look over the House and South Project on their website uh, and submit your comment to the Forest Service by uh, November 20th. Uh, I know that's right around the corner, uh, but it's very important that if you want to have a say in this project and want to really uh, have a say in what's happening in, in the environment around you, uh, do make a comment and um, submit that by the 20th, again, that's next Monday in November, uh, because if you do not make a comment now, uh, there are further stages, uh, planning stages that would have to go forward in this project, but you would not be allowed to participate um, if you do not make a comment now. Uh, and so we encourage everyone to uh, have their say. And what's what are the websites again to find that on? Yes, it's the Hoosier National Forest website uh, for their project page, uh, and, and look up Houston South Project, uh, and then it'll take you to all the documents that are appropriate with instructions on how to comment, as well as the Indiana Forest Alliance uh, has a uh, Houston South web page as well at uh, www.indianaforestalliance.org uh, that also has uh, links uh, to all the pertinent documents, as well as extra additional uh, training and educational materials uh, to help you uh, develop your comments. And that's ostensibly uh, in the name of uh, reviving and restoring the forest. And people are familiar with how the Native Americans use controlled burns. And so it can seem like not that bad of an idea. Um, 
what are these uh, negative effects that you guys feel uh, that that's going to cause? Well, historically, indeed, Native American tribes uh, across the United States, especially in the western part of the United States, uh, did use uh, controlled burning to to a degree uh, to manipulate their environment. And that happened also in the Midwest, but it happened primarily on village sites uh, to clear land easily for their villages uh, and also uh, not as a rehabilitation of of the land uh, and also occurred regularly as a rehabilitation of the land on prairie and grasslands. Uh, but there is, is, is no evidence in Indiana of that occurring uh, prehistorically um, on the landscape in the forest. Uh, and as we know, uh, our forest here, the ecosystem is much wetter uh, than, than the drier, uh, more conifer-based forest out west. Uh, and wildfire, uh, especially natural-caused uh, wildfire, is not, a, is not a concern in the Midwest. In fact, there have been one ignition uh, in the last 150 years of a, uh, a wildfire in Indiana that was caused naturally. All the rest have been caused by human uh, on accidents. Um, so, uh, you know, this prescribed fire is not necessarily something that is returning a restoration, as the agencies call it, uh, to the landscape, but something rather that's human imposed and something that's that's new. And the science is still not completely uh, certain exactly the, the effects that it does have uh, on, again, our upland forest in the Midwest. Uh, and then last fall, uh, there were two uh, fires, one at Potoka Lake and one at Ferdinand State Forest that got out of hand. Uh, and the air quality that we were experiencing here uh, three or four months ago uh, from the Can- Canadian wildfires, um, the air quality actually uh, for a 30-mile radius or more uh, was worse from these two locally caused fires by these agencies, uh, the smoke uh, in, in the communities uh, was actually, the air quality was, was worse than, than the worst that it got from the Canadian wildfires. Um, so there's, there's a large health concern um, as, as well. And, you know, in the House and South Project, uh, as, as an additional thing, you know, as an example of what was not included in their, in their environmental assessment was uh, the effects of um, what this would have on our endangered species. And I mention this because of the Indiana bat, is everybody quite aware, you know, of white-nose syndrome. Well, uh, IFA, Indiana Forest Alliance, and biologists were able to find a maternal roost. So we found environment where these bats were actually um, uh, having babies and producing and increasing their numbers rather than decreasing. Uh, And that's in the House and South Project area, but yet that was not mentioned in the environmental assessment. And so these areas are not being protected. Uh, So, you know, it's a multitude of issues, a multitude of concerns, um, but also, you know, there are, there are uh, improved waterways in the project that are necessary for water flow and for water quality that are proposed as part of the project, you know, that, that do have a proven scientific benefit um, uh, to help the landscape and the wildlife and the ecosystem there. Uh, so it just takes a well, you know, informed uh, look at uh, what they're proposing uh, t- and to weigh out the positive, the pos- pros and the cons uh, and to have a, uh, a conversation uh, not a one-way discussion or an educational uh, teaching, but an actual discussion uh, on what the best avenue forward for all interested parties is. So, And, of course, uh, it would be also releasing a lot of carbon. And uh, Absolutely. Uh, given the, the, the many wildfires across the country and the world in this last year and the, the recent UN reports, uh, the situation is just hitting tipping points. 
And so it seems like they should be leaving that for, for carbon. Um, Absolutely. I mean, forests all over the world uh, are, are definitely, you know, uh, being um, cut down or burnt or destroyed at an astronomical rate. Uh, and, you know, whether our, our, our climate that we're experiencing, the changes that we're experiencing now are, are uh, natural in nature, uh, part of a uh, routine schedule of our Earth, or whether they are human and caused, uh, the uh, um, dramatic effects, positive effects that leaving our forests standing, uh, the older forests specifically, because they sequester carbon at a much higher rate than 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 younger growth, uh, astronomically larger, um, is very important to counter these effects. Uh, and so, whether, whatever the cause is, we know that uh, you know it's been said that forty percent of the possible solution to help uh, reverse these uh, climate warming, uh, these global warming uh, that is occurring can be um, fixed by saving our forest. And uh, um, Senator Braun uh, introduced uh, the Benjamin Harrison Wilderness Area uh, proposal, and that would be, uh, that's actually crossing a few states, right? And it seems that that could also... Uh, put a halt to the House and South uh, plans as they're presently put? Uh, that's right. Um, the uh, Forest Service has not taken an official stance uh, on this legislation, uh, neither pro nor con for it. However, um, they are, tr- you know, going forward uh, with the South and South project, uh, and it is in direct contrary uh, to the mandates that would be uh, put forward uh, for the management of these areas in this new bill, this new Senate bill. And is there public comment or anything to, that wise that people can chime in on? Absolutely. Indiana Forest Alliance, we have a special page for this and we, you can you can put comments there uh, as well as Senator Braun uh, has from his official page uh, has a place that you can submit comments to him. Uh, and as well, he's, he's currently looking for, because the process is that he's written the bill. Uh, it goes to the Senate uh, for for the subcommittee, and then goes before the Senate to be approved, and then after it's approved there, it has to go before the House. Uh, then it would go to the floor and be signed into a, a official legislation. Uh, so, also uh, asking people to contact uh, Senator Yoder, uh, Houchin, and Young as well to uh, try to get them to co-sponsor. That's correct, and they are in conversations with Braun currently, uh, but they really need to hear from their constituents. Uh, and you know, a- a- as a reminder, you know, this is really promoting the best option uh, for the state, uh, for the area, and for the Hoosier National Forest. It would be the largest contiguous land, a preserved land that's that's going to be kept in a wild state in the states of Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio, the largest in that area. So it's an extremely landmark uh, achievement. The It was first pr- promoted by uh, one of the um, directors of the Hoosier National Forest, uh, as well as um, Birch Bayh, as well, uh, a popular politician in Indiana in the past. Well, great. Uh, thanks for... Uh uh, you know, letting everybody know that it's uh, now their turn to uh, put in their support for uh, 
opposition and or support. Yep. And we have a brand new website. If you have any questions on Facebook, uh, there has been a new Facebook group that was created called Coalition. Uh, and uh, it's gaining membership dramatically, but it is open and frank uh, conversations regarding this bill. You can access the actual bill and read it yourself. It's only five pages long. It's not a long read. Uh, and you can get all of these clarifications made for you before so you can make a well-founded decision. Great. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. This is In Nature. This is Juliana Daly. Today I will be talking about the Carner Blue Butterfly. The Carner Blue Butterfly is an endangered species of small blue butterfly found in some Great Lakes states, including Indiana, New Jersey, New York, and New Hampshire. The Carner Blue Butterfly is a small butterfly with a wingspan of approximately one inch. The male has all four wings in a deep violet blue, fringed with white. And the female is a dusky brownish blue with orange spots on the edge of the hind wing. Carner Blue Butterflies prefer areas with open and closed canopies. Also thinning of oak forest and pine removal to encourage savannas can be beneficial. Adult Carner Blue butterflies have a very short lifespan, usually only five days or so. The larvae feed only on the wild lupine plant, and they have a symbiotic relationship with ants. The wild lupine plant is painted in shades of blue and is valued by humans for its beauty. They also feed on bee balm, cinquefoil, blackberry, lead plant, and milkweed. Blue butterflies are associated with fortune and luck. So make a wish the next time you see a blue butterfly. You've been listening to In Nature, a production of WNHP. For Eco Report, I am Juliana Daly. And I am Cynthia Roberts. Are you looking for a way to make a difference on environmental issues? Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for some upcoming events. Join park expert, bird enthusiast, and NPR's Moment of Science radio personality, Don Glass, at Brown County State Park on Saturday, November 18th from 11 to 11.45 a.m. to learn about the woodpeckers of Indiana. The presentation will discuss Indiana's seven species, what they look like, their behaviors, and more. Meet in the Nature Center. Enjoy a Hear Kitty Kitty talk at the McCormick's Creek State Park on Sunday, November the 12th at 3.30 p.m. in the Nature Center. 
You won't be learning about little kitties, but all about the park's elusive feline residents focusing on bobcats. Experience Whooper Wednesday every Wednesday until February 21st at Goose Pond Fish and Wildlife Area on Wednesday, November 22nd from 8 to 9.30 a.m. The Morning Bird Walk will let you spot resident winter birds, including the endangered whooping cranes, dress for the weather. Forget about shopping and holiday stress at the 4th Annual Monroe Lake Holiday Hiking Challenge. Hike all of Monroe Lake's trails and complete the challenge activities beginning on Thursday, November the 23rd for an opportunity to win a prize. You have four days to complete the challenge, which ends on November the 26th. If you love full moon hikes, then plan to join Anthony for a one-mile hike on Trail 5 for a full beaver moon hike at Spring Mill State Park on Saturday, November 25th from 8 to 9 p.m. Learn the history and folklore of the full beaver moon. Dress for the weather. And that wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Juliana Daly. Today's news feature was produced by Zero Rose and edited by Noelle Herhusky Snyder. Juliana Daly assembled the script, which was edited by Zero Rose. Juliana Daly also compiled our events calendar. Kay Young and Noelle Herhusky Snyder produced today's show. Brandon Blewett is our engineer. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly, and we'd like to wish you a warm and happy Thanksgiving coming up this next week. And I am Cynthia Roberts. And this is Eco Report. been listening to the eco report a volunteer powered production of community radio wfhb in bloomington indiana available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org eco report is your independent ecologically inspired news source for south central indiana bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear send your comments suggestions and story ideas directly to the eco report staff the email address is earth at wfhb.org that's earth at wfhb.org